A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Good morning and welcome back to Grindhouse, where we drink coffee and talk about movies. My name is Sean Tatro, and today with my girlfriend and co-host, Leah Diana, we will be winding back the reel to 1985, where after an odd new medical student arrives on campus, a dedicated local and his girlfriend become involved in a bizarre series of experiments centering around the reanimation of dead tissue in H.P. Lovecraft's Reanimator. Let's get into it. Herbert West is at the top of his class in medical school. How can you teach such drivel? These people are here to learn, and you're closing their minds before they even have a chance. What are He's you? brilliant, but a little weird. I've broken the six to 12 minute barrier. I've conquered brain death. His experiments have always been unorthodox. It was dead. <sighs> but lately, they're getting out of hand. <laughs> And he's just made a discovery that could wake up the dead. Herbert West has affected reanimation in dead animal tissue. What are you thinking? How do you feel? You? 15 cc's of reagent being administered. Once you wake up the dead, you've got a real mess on your hands. <laughs> Dead? Not anymore. Herbert West brought a lot of dead people back to life. And not one of them showed any appreciation. H.P. Lovecraft's classic tale of horror, Reanimator. Mr. West. You'll never get credit for my discovery. Who's going to believe a talking head? Get a job in a sideshow. It will scare you to pieces. Spread the word, you dirty cocksuckers. Tell all your grave robbing friends I want them out of the city now! The nightmare of insane murder. From the depths of hell. theme this week and last week what's that everybody keeps losing their heads ah ah, ah. heads will roll maha 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 not the laugh you always do <laughs> <laughs> classic tim curry laugh maha maha from it yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh 
So I love Lovecraft. I think everybody got that true from the last episode where we were introducing this one for this week. And I was just like, I love Lovecraft. <laughs> um, we've seen this one before. We have. And I have seen this one more times than I can count. He wa- he did not look at the TV for a good, like, 30, 40 minutes. And he was still doing the laughter at some parts. And I'm like, he knows exactly what parts are coming up. I had to only, like, kind of pay attention to this one because I knew I, would, I just need a refresher. So while we watched this, I read the cliff notes for the actual Lovecraft story. Ooh, okay. I actually haven't read the Lovecraft story for this. I always wanted to, mm. but I always thought if I'm going to read it, I want to sit down with the actual written text and read it, and I don't have a copy and haven't found a copy yet. Well, it's a comic novella, so... Yeah. It was made for, like, the newspaper, which means it was, like, a like six-part series. Yeah, but it's been since collected in various versions of Lovecraft's printed work, mm. and I just never bought a version that I liked, so I just haven't gotten a chance to read this yet. Do you think there is someone out there that has the original Providence Journal that this was posted in? Oh, almost guaranteed. It's got to be in somebody's, like, archive of Lovecraft stuff. Yeah. I wonder if it was called the Providence Journal in the turn of the century. I mean, maybe? It's only recently that I think they dissolved the newspaper or only put deliver on Sundays and they're digital media only. And you still have to pay f- to view the website. Which is fucking stupid. Which is dumb because I can get my news anywhere. <laughs> but I guess in the, the age of digital media where everybody has either Kindles or they do everything on their phone, mm-hmm. they got to make money somehow. It's a shame that newspapers don't really exist anymore. I remember we're reading the funnies on Sundays. I mean, for God's sake, I work for magazine you work for a magazine that whenever whenever i told everybody hey you know sean works for this magazine they went they're still alive yeah it's one of the last printed magazines that we really have around here and it's yeah not like it's popular in certain circles like you only see it in providence you do not see this anywhere else. Like, you see it coming out of, like, bars or, like, restaurants or little hot spots. I guarantee you where we're going tonight, we're going out to dinner with some friends, we will see a copy of that newspaper there. In a place like that, I'd be a little surprised. Nah, I wouldn't. Just because, like, when you walk in, there's a hallway and there's all that advertisement yeah, stuff true. in there. So, But printed stuff is just... It is a dying art which which thinks not not counting books or like graphic novel not not novels Dra- graphic, graphic novels <laughs> or manga i tried to mix two words there <laughs> um but you know you don't get letters you don't get postcards very much often no it's a very rare thing now so now we get everything via digital media and it was very interesting to read the Lovecraft story. It wasn't the whole story. It was a synopsis. Um, but it f- this follows that pretty closely. Um, it seems that Dan does not exist or exists only in the first novel or the verse story. And it becomes the narrator very slowly. Yeah. Um, Alan um, Halsey exists, but he only exists in two of the stories. And then the character that is um, 
Dr. Hill is Chapman Lee, who becomes the headless something. Yeah, they took a lot of liberties with this one. In, in fact, I think this exact movie, it, it doesn't play out anywhere near exactly like this in the story, as no, far as I know. No, but it's a modern retelling, yeah. which that one's the turn of the century of 1899 to 1900 to World War One, um, where Herbert West and the narrator are using battlefields right. to collect their corpses and do their experiments. Whereas this, he's a scientist? Is he a doctor or a scientist, Herbert West? Or is he just a crazy person? Technically a little bit of both, but I, I, I think he, he began as a medical student and just kind of went, delved went into, nutty from there. Yeah, something a little beyond standard medical practices. <laughs> but I will say that it follows it decently. It's not a perfect follow, but no. I mean, from what I was reading, that would be a great period piece with Supernatural mixed into it, which is a lot of what Lovecraft stuff was or is now. It's Supernatural with a historic time kind of set it like um, Into the Mouth of Madness, Call of Cthulhu. Um, is it The Witch of Ipswich? Something of Ipswich. That was the last one. I don't remember that one. Um, that I read, which I loved the the Ipswich one. Um, sucks. I can't remember most of it. I just know I really liked it, and I read a couple of books of his. So, but this one I'd never heard of till you were like, "Oh, it's called H.P. <laughs> Lovecraft's Reanimator." I'm like, "What? <laughs> I've never heard of the story. A scientist bringing people back to life? Like what?" Because well, it's a lesser known of his works. Mm. But I am shocked, even watching this again, why this wasn't bigger in the 80s. I mean, this... It, now, it's gone on to have a huge, huge cult following. Cult following. Huge. And it, it's probably one of the most celebrated, like, 80s horror films. Is this one of the most successful Lovecraft I would say digital so. retellings? In the long run, I would say so. Yeah, because there's Into the Mouth of Madness, which has Sam Neill. So that one is inspired by Lovecraft, but it's not a Lovecraft story. Yeah. Technically. It's not very. There's a number of Cthulhu movies, but they're not very good. And that's that's actually a distinction that's really, I think, is important to note. There's Lovecraft films, films inspired, like, based on his works. Mm-hmm. And then there's films inspired by his works, which you would now call Lovecraftian horror. Yeah. It's or cosmic horror. Yep. Basically anything cosmic horror is Lovecraftian. Mm. It's a very it's a whole different breed that is spawned off of the ideas that Lovecraft came up with, but they are not connected directly to any of his works. Yeah. We've got a couple. I know that we or I bought color, color in space. Color out of space. Color out of space. We still haven't touched that. That's with Nicolas Cage. Um, what's another? I know we watched another. Is the thing very, very loosely? No. No. It has nothing to do with Lovecraft, okay. but it's Lovecraftian. Lovecraftian horror, yeah. And Would you say Critters is a Lovecraftian? Not. I mean, so it's that, otherworldly. That's another. That's another distinction that has to be made. So like. Cosmic horror doesn't necessarily mean space or alien related. It cosmic horror is more about the idea of the unknowable terror. So you would think interdimensional. 
interdimensional, something you cannot fathom, something you cannot completely comprehend. A lot of people kind of just take cosmic horror and Lovecraftian horror and just be like, oh, tentacle monsters or um, space horror. That's not true. No. You can technically consider anything space horror as cosmic horror, like... Event Horizon. Uh, Event Horizon or Ridley Scott's Alien. But it is not Lovecraftian horror. No, but it is cosmic horror. You wouldn't take something like Mar- Mars Attacks and call that cosmic horror because it's that's just alien shit. Like it's not. That's a that's a comedy. But <laughs> that's in our wheelhouse too, guys. Oh. <laughs> Um, it, it's a very, these are very muddy waters that mm. this film exists in, or that Lovecraft in general exists in, especially since so many people have kind of taken those base ideas and run with them to create what we have, what we get now with cosmic horror. Now, being someone who's a huge fan of horror and someone who's an even bigger cosmic horror fan. Why do you think Lovecraftian movies are not as successful as other films? Because I think Lovecraft's ideas are inherently uh, interpretive. So if you try to take something he wrote to page and put that to screen, it's often not going to match what somebody else pictured in their mind when they read it okay so i a prime example and this isn't of lovecraft but it's of someone just as lovecraftian (laughs) as the man himself uh stephen king okay so he wrote it um and at the end of it which everybody at this point knows there's the creature takes a form that is described as spider-like and but never you never get full detail on what it is because it's it's up to the reader's interpretation yeah he gives you clues like he's like oh it's spider-like it i forget the exact uh, terminology he uses to describe it but uh flash forward to the autumn seriously stop moving She gave you so that. much sass in that face. Like, bitch, I'll move. All right. Flash forward to the 90s TV uh, miniseries, and that at the end of that, it's a big spider monster. Yeah. Because they just very roughly took what he described and just, oh, it that it's a spider. It's a big spider. Yeah. But Which, the newer one didn't took the interpretation a little less literal. Yeah, the the newer adaptation took that. All right, it's spider like, and they gave it like a bunch of legs, and but then they took the idea of the clown and wove that in. So mm-hmm. it it they created something of their own, yeah, which I think worked. Like it was much more Lovecraftian than the '90s miniseries. But that that's like a good example of people taking oh let's interpret it to screen and it's nothing like I would have pictured it. What did you picture? See, when I read something like that where it's very vague and it doesn't um, completely give you all the details of what you're supposed to be envisioning, I don't envision it. Wait, what? 
I have to envision everything when I read. I so I I don't know if it's just the way I am able to think, but I will basically take that idea if it's, and say it's like it says, oh, um, it's spider-like and it moves quickly along the walls and stuff like that. I'll just kind of take those notions and it'll be almost like a vague silhouette in my head. It won't be really, it won't have a distinct form. It won't have a body or like a true actual form you can see. It'll be like shadows? Sort of. How do you function reading? I I have a very cinematic brain. I've been, (laughs) well that's true. You're very you're very by the book with that kind of stuff. You, you, I've, I've written, I've, I've written, I've read one of your scripts, cover yeah. to cover. And the way I visioned stuff that you wrote was very different from what you described when you were like, this is how I want to film it. And I think that's good to have multiple people when you're doing something like this, when you're like, okay, here's the story I want to recreate. And it's like, okay, Herbert West uh, let's make him a medical student. Let's ha- make him very interested in, you know, how the brain works and how it functions and how, how to breathe life back in rather than just kind of be more of a morbid tale of these two young gentlemen who are, you know, experimenting on bodies. This is something different. It's for scientific purposes to bring life back in. And I think that's the cool thing about this story. It You're, you're telling the story of someone who is very much doing the wrong things for the right reasons. And he comes out comes out to you like a dick. He is an absolute douchebag the whole movie. Which is funny. Like, he's a very unlikable character. Oh yeah. You Yet do somehow, not like this man. by the end of this story you do like him in a way. You, you sort of... That's up for debate. I wouldn't say you relate to him or anything, but you... You like him, maybe not for what he's doing, but for the entertainment he brings when he's doing it. I find him more of an accidental asshole. I don't even know if it's accidental. I, like, I would kind of call it he's very... Put it this way, he's the smartest person in the room, and only he knows it. Ugh. Which, it, it sucks. Like, that's what makes him a dick. Like, he's far more intelligent because he knows exact he knows what he's talking about and everybody else thinks he's insane Mm. but as our character dan learns he's very much not insane he's not insane and dan has the same qualities of a doctor like he does um the same inclinations yeah the same i don't want to lose people and i feel like dan has the good heart where herbert is just out for I will make this happen and Dan's like I just don't want to lose people which I think is the reason why they work because they're polar opposites with the same goal I often wonder if maybe Herbert started out the same way though caring like Dan did like if maybe his whole goal was it's like I want to conquer death because I don't want I've to watched have to, too many people die yeah I've watched too many people die I don't want to have to loot have to watch people lose the ones closest to them but then all the years of trying to make it work, which couldn't be very long because he is a very young doctor. He's a very, yeah, he's not, he's not an old doctor. He's like, I would say 
just like, and I'm going by just what the actor looked like. Um, this gentleman, Jeff Combs. Jeffrey Combs. Yeah. Um, I'd say like mid to late twenties. Yeah, which leans me more towards the idea that he followed the work of someone who was trying to do something that he was interested in, and he just came up with the solution. Yeah. And it kind of ate away at him. It well, it sparked his passion for proving it but ate away at his humanity oh yes for sure so now that we've asked some pretty insightful questions for the beginning of a uh, a podcast very different from last week where we had to redo the episode (laughs) um let's dive into the movie we just watched all right. Well, this week, as we've already said, we watched H.P. Lovecraft's Reanimator. This was a 1985 American comedy horror, uh, loosely based on the 1922 Lovecraft serial novelette. Novelette, not novel. This film was directed by Stuart Gordon, an infamous director in the horror field, basically because of this film. Oh, okay. Who wrote, co-wrote the screenplay with Dennis Paoli and William Norris. The film stars Bruce Abbott, Barbara Crampton, David Gale, Robert Sampson, and Jeffrey Combs. It was originally released on October 18th, 1985. Uh, their budget was somewhere in the range of 900000 to $1.3 million. And they brought in a box office of two million off of the release. This movie was released when I was a month and a half old. You didn't see it back then. Month and a half old. <laughs> the only thing I was watching at a month and a half old were Patriots games, and there's photos of me watching Patriots games. That's an unfortunate upbringing. Look, my dad really <laughs> likes football. I do not like football. (laughs) (laughs) Therefore, I don't watch football. Um, I vaguely remember the 80s. I vaguely remember horror movies in the 80s. Obviously, I was never allowed to watch them like your family. Um, Why not? uh, Because my parents are normal. I watched Care Bears and freaking Disney Channel mini mini goofy Disney movie shit. (laughs) (laughs) So, before we get into the play-by-play, because you could probably do the play-by-play in your sleep, um, I would like to touch upon the cast. Okay. Because in this cast, there's a couple of people you might know, and then there's the legend of Stream Queens, Miss Barbara Crampton. Oh, Barbara Crampton. Did, did you have a crush on Barbara Crampton when you were a child? I am not ashamed to say that I did. And you can see every part of this woman's body in this movie. You know what? I'm not ashamed to say that I still do. Barbara <laughs> Crampton, even now, she's is a, a gorgeous I fucking woman. Up. I think she's, what, about 60 now? I don't know exactly. She is a beautiful woman at yeah. 60. She looks good. Barbara, you look great. You look gorgeous. Sensational. <laughs> From a man that had a crush on you at the age of three. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, buddy. What other films was Barbara in? I know she's been in huge films. Oh god, films. she so she's done a lot. She was in this. She was in Stuart Gordon's uh, next Lovecraft adaptation, From Beyond. 
Okay. She has, oh God, she's appeared in so many things. She's in Chopping Mall. Dude. She's in. Uh, Chopping Mall. She had a bit of a, a stint where she stopped acting for a while. I think just for to live a life. Hmm. Kind of take a break and very recently she's been in so many movies really oh my god she is she's in the last the latest puppet master she's in a fucking uh she did a movie with some of the guys that i worked with on um, mind's eye almost human almost human uh graham skipper and um i forget who else is in that one uh the one i'm the movie i'm thinking of is Beyond the Gates. Beyond the Gate. Yeah, that one, she has a small part in that, but she's great. She's in so much. I, I can't even list it all. <laughs> I only learned about Barbara Crampton from the um, documentary. Which documentary? Uh, the one that we put we went through on um, Kickstarter or Indiegogo. Oh, uh, In Search of Darkness. In Search of Darkness. We own one, two, and three. We own currently one and two. Three is not releasing until December, and then it'll be shipped. But we did pre-order three, right? Yes, yeah. I pre-ordered it. Um, we've watched the first one, because when you sit down, these are four to five hour documentary. These are Each long. Each one of these is very like long. four and a half hours. But They're if great. you love horror, I recommend these documentaries. I learned so much about 80s horror, and I never knew that these women that were a part of these scream these scream queens like jamie lee curtis literally her life was eat sleeping and breathing halloween for a long time yeah and i didn't realize she's in a shit ton of horror movies we've covered maybe one or two uh we've done two i believe two of hers the fog and terror train terror train um i see another one here she's in prom night she is in prom night yes um, another notable scream queen is Nancy from Fri- uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Nancy. Uh, Heather Langenkamp. Lang- Heather Langenkamp. She was another one that you said you had a crush on. Yes. Uh, so my my two celebrity crushes from childhood were Barbara Crampton and Heather Langenkamp. I had never heard of these women before I met you ever. <laughs> yep. And you know what's funny? That actually carried into other things. Hmm. So, like, because of my crush on Heather Langenkamp, I also thought, like, people like, um, oh, what's that show? I can't think of the name of the show right now. But it was like a, there was a sitcom where it was like a bunch of girls living in a house with, I don't know, it was like, I can't remember what the fuck it was Did called. They were school uniforms and like, no. wasn't Facts of Life? Oh yeah, it was Facts, facts of Life. Facts of Life, yeah. The, the, there's a girl in that. That looks exactly like Heather. I can't remember her name. Yep. But I was like, she's pretty cool. Like, it, like that was, it carried throughout everything because Nancy left an impression on me. Mm-hmm. Uh, Megan in this left an impression on me so it's like those character traits kind of carried on surprisingly I don't generally like blondes in real life when we first started (laughs) dating my photos were a brunette and then you know I went through a midlife crisis and I bleached the hell out of my hair to what everybody sees now like my hair is white and brown unfortunately I started growing gray at 17 and it never stopped but I bleach my hair blonde so when we went on our first date you were expecting a brunette to show up and this bleach blonde bitch shows up and you're like um 
to be fair, that was okay because your roots were showing. Yeah, that, that's true. I mean, so I, I was had, like, she's I not had, really a blonde. <laughs> I bleached my hair in December. Yeah, right before New Year's. And then my friend Jess chopped it all off. And I was like, ah, he won't care. Right? I mean, you're still here, so. Yeah. <laughs> can't get rid of me because I can't leave the house. <laughs> Although I did have good news. I'm, I'm, I can walk now. Yes, today you got the go-ahead. I got the go-ahead to walk. It is fucking October. <laughs> I can't go back to work. There's no end in sight. So uh, we're going to be doing a lot more of these. <laughs> um, yeah, watching the 80s documentary, learning a lot more about these horror movies in the 80s and realizing that it wasn't just Nightmare on Elm Street, Halloween, um, you know, these ones. Hellraiser I knew about as a kid because it terrified me. And then when I finally watched it with you, I was like, this is nothing. Now, I love Hellraiser. One of my favorites. You know, Trick or Treat. Um, big movie in the early 2000s. Terrified me. Didn't want to see it. Finally saw it. I have so much Trick or Treat merch and Sam merch now. It's not funny. I don't want to talk about it. I have a candy dish in my kitchen that holds apples. Every once in a while, we give them candy. Don't worry. But we're trying to be healthier in this Gotta house. He's the little candy god. Yeah, but we have to give him apples because this is a healthy household. <laughs> um, but I I remember watching this the first time through and thinking like, oh, I really enjoy the aesthetics of 80s horror. And I wish that, I wish more directors nowadays would use the stupid practical effects. There is no CG I in this movie. I fucking love there practical effects. There is zero the practical effects in this movie are great. Are top fucking notch. You can see through every single fucking one of them. I don't care. And it's it still beautiful. Fine. Like they use it to their advantage. This is not supposed to be a serious horror movie. It's a campy horror movie. And it's amazing. It's great. They hold, they pull no punches when it comes to the gore and the blood and the nudity and everything else. Like for the climax of the film, I was counting how many dongs I saw. So much dick. So there's much so dick. much dick in this but movie. But I'm very happy to say they weren't like, look, there's a penis. It's more or less like, oh, there's a it's dead cadaver there. running around. And you're like, don't let the penis touch him. Don't let, oh, that's so gross. <laughs> <laughs> but they don't shy away from this movie just doesn't hold punches. Like, oh, we're going to, we're going to censor. They were like, what the, we're already doing a movie about bringing people back from the dead. We're not censoring shit. No, and so like in all technicality, this probably could be considered a zombie movie. I wouldn't. I wouldn't count this as a zombie movie. Yes, you have dead people coming back to life, but it's through some otherworldly means, which is never fucking explained. Exactly. In three, in a series of three films, almost four. This is I read. never entirely explained. Almost four. The director and the writers had a fourth story ready, but they never got the oh, go ahead. No. I wanted to see that one so bad. It the, I don't know what the other two are. I know the next one is called Bride of Reanimator. And then what's the third one called? Beyond Reanimator. Beyond Reanimator. Then I was reading while I was kind of doing, like, looking at synopsis stuff. And get kind of refresher that there was one, the director said it was on the table. It was in the works and it just never took off. I believe that was House of Reanimator. House of Reanimator, which sounds like... <laughs> something that Rob Zombie could take and make it his bitch. Well, that one was supposed to take place like in the White House. 
and oh. it was gonna be this absolutely insane story which from the like so this movie set the template this first film hmm. for how, like just a crazy over the top movie it could have been its own franchise this fucking film these movies get crazier as they go on the second one is like double as crazy as this and then the third one is at least four times as crazy as this one. So the House of Reanimator would have just been off the charts. It would have been through the fucking roof. It would have been insane. Well, from <laughs> a huge fan that has probably seen all three. I have. And a fan who's only seen the first one and still loves it. I think you should just do the fourth one. It's the day and age. Just do it. The problem is, as far as I know, and I only know this because I have a direct connection... um, Damn. uh, So let me tell that story. So when I first started working on the movie Mind's Eye, it was still in pre-production. I joined that very early on as uh, I was going to do behind the scenes for everything. Mm -hmm. So uh, one of the discussions that I was privy to um, taking place was that uh, director Joe Bigos was actually interested in hiring Jeffrey Combs to play the villain in that movie. Oh. But Jeffrey Combs, because he had worked, he had known him through uh, Graham Skipper, it, who's the lead in that that film and Almost Human. He did Reanimator the Musical playing Herbert West. Oh, cool. Which was uh, also, I believe, done through Stuart Gordon. So, Joe worked for Stuart Gordon for a while okay. before he passed away, unfortunately. Mm. And uh, obviously he met all these different people. So he he got to become somewhat friendly with Jeffrey Combs. Mm. So he asked him to, to do Mind's Eye. And from what Joe had told me, he uh, Jeffrey Combs turned it, da- turned it down because he just didn't really like the idea of playing another mad doctor. Mm. So that leads me to believe that if they ever did decide to do another reanimator, I don't think Jeffrey Combs would be interested in doing it. Because isn't Jeffrey Combs like the sweetest guy in the world and he plays like this fucking asshole? I've heard he's a pretty nice guy. I've never met him or mm. anything. I would love to, but I uh, I don't know for sure. <laughs> I love the fact that you actually have set stories and you actually have stories about some real actors. Like, I that's do. pretty cool. Yeah. And uh, hopefully I'll have more in the future. Mm. God, I hope so. But anyways, um, who else is in this movie? Who is the tall, gaunt, already looks like a skeleton Dr. Hill? Dr. Hill is played by the infamous David Gale. Who is David Gale? David Gale is a classic actor um he has been in so many fucking things so much shit and most it's like some of it's not even fucking very good like he's in the movie the brain from 1988 he's in uh the guyver adaptation the guyver yeah is that anywhere near mugiver no it's, it's that it's about it's a movie starring mark hamill that is about a guy who gets this like alien super suit. You're telling me Mark Hamill was in a bad movie? Mark Hamill's in a lot of bad movies. Oh, Mark, I need these movies. <laughs> but, and they all fall into our wheelhouse. Oh, God. Uh, Give me bad Skywalker any day. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, David Gale shows up in things like Dallas, the TV series. Um, was he ever in Dynasty? <laughs> no, uh, I don't think so. He was no. in L.A. Law. He, he's a very, he was a very big actor until he passed away. The only thing that I know, yeah, he didn't pass away very long after this movie was done. No. He passed away was, in the 90s. Yeah, this was towards the end of his career, unfortunately. He is gaunt, high cheekbones. I mean, it seems, I don't have, my phone is dead, so I'm charging it. Um, so I can't look shit up. I'm assuming that this man probably was very good looking in his 20s. Just from yeah, the structure of his face. I was like, oh, he looks kind of like Grandma talking, but only taller. Yeah. That's what he looks like uh, to me. And he, then he plays this fucking role so oh God, goddamn well. And I want to know where his head was at for that last scene where. Oh, we'll get into we'll that. We'll get to that last scene, but I want to <laughs> know what the direct. Okay, this is what you're going to do. And he's just going, what? I actually have a couple of stories I can re- recount about that. Really? But we'll talk about really? it when we get to that point. Well, I say, let's get into this, bitch. You want to talk about the rest of the cast? I mean, what other cast is there? There's Dan, who's just... Honestly, I have to say, Dan's very unrelatable to me. Really? He falls in the background to me. I mean, I think that's by design. He's hmm. meant to be the person that we can... He's a mouse ...fall into his shoes. I mean, I don't even fall into his shoes. I think the... uh, Honestly, I think um, Megan's father is, is like, more of a character I want to follow rather than Dan. Dan's just the poor sucker that gets taken for a ride. That's what I feel. He he kind of is. He Hmm. gets convinced early on and gets dragged into this absolute tale of madness. Nightmare. Who is Dan Dan is played by Bruce Abbott. Am I supposed to know that name? I kind of feel like I do. Bruce Abbott's career is very lackluster. Like, like the role. He uh, is in a movie called Interzone in 1989. Mm. Uh, Tag, the assassination game in 1982. Oh, I thought it was going to be that Tag movie that just came out a few years no, no, ago. No, no, no. <laughs> but yeah, his his career is not very. He was. He shows up in stuff like Murder She Wrote. Oh, okay. The Prophecy Two. I. Uh, Diagnosis Murder. Do you remember that? Oh God, I do. That Jesus. was no. Murder She Wrote was Angela Lansbury. What was Diagnosis Murder? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't remember. Paul Madison. From 1994. I remember the name. I I remember it so well. Oh, it's um. Diagnosis Murder was uh, Detective Mark Sloan. Um, got a knack for getting in trouble and negotiates twists and turns of mysteries and solving crimes with the help of his son, Steve. Uh, Steve is... Uh, what the fuck's that guy's name? Oh, it's um, Dick Van Dyke and his son, Barry. You don't remember that? I feel like... I realize that old... like. Anybody who is listening is probably screaming at me right now, and I can't remember. All right, that's Honestly, it. Honestly, a lot of people listening phone? right now probably don't fucking remember this show. <laughs> I bet you my mom does. My mom listens to our podcast, and I bet you she does. Uh, I'm going to look this up while you go read the next actor, which I think is just Megan's dad. Yes, really. that was uh, Robert Sampson. Robert Sampson I've seen in quite a few things. 
never anything that great. Like he's uh, shows up in Dark Side of the Moon, um, Robot Jocks. If anybody remembers that fucking gem, Robot Jocks. Oh yeah, I kind of remember. That's that. the movie that kind of inspired Pacific Rim. Oh okay. Um. God damn it! Now I remember. <laughs> yeah, I remember diagnosis murder. Okay. That, God damn it. That shit fest. <laughs> oh, I thought it was good. But yeah, like a lot, a lot of the heavy hitters in this are, they've had long careers. Mm. Uh, though a lot of people now probably wouldn't know who the hell they are, unfortunately. Yeah. Have you seen what Dick Van Dyke looks like now? Is Dick Van Dyke still alive? 96. That was him at the Kennedy Honors recently. God, good God, he looks like a fucking crazy Santa Claus. Either that or, um... <laughs> kitties? He could play him in a live the action right now. <laughs> he could! <laughs> he still has that goddamn smile, though, like... Yeah. <laughs> he looks terrifying. <laughs> Alright, back on track. I gotta put Dick Van Dyke back in the box. Ah, shit. So it's, uh... It's worth noting that... The special effects department went through 24 gallons of fake blood during this shoot. Ugh. And they said that Reanimator was the bloodiest film they had ever worked on at that point. And in the past, they had only ever used... They never used more than uh, two gallons of blood. There was so much blood just for the head. Oh my god, there's so much in this movie. It's crazy. Ridiculous. Should we go into it? Much like how much fake blood there is, shall we go into how much bullshit this movie is? I don't think this movie's bullshit at all. The plot is insane. The plot is insane, but I personally feel like this is the type of film that exemplifies what a movie should be. Which means it like it gives you a cohesive uh not very like not overly complicated story. Mm-hmm. And a fun fucking ride. Like, okay. It gives you interesting characters, a, a fairly non-complex story, and it's just fun to watch. Like, that is what a movie should be. If we're talking about films, okay, because I believe there's a difference between a film and a movie. Okay. Like, Marvel movies are movies. They're epic. They're huge. But they're movies. They're mm. they give you good characters. They're not super complicated, and they're fun to watch. Mm. Um, things like The Godfather or Taxi Driver. Those are films. Are films because okay. they're complicated. They're very driven by the art. Reanimator is a fucking movie. It's a movie. It is just oh, a amazing time. You, you could you could try and analyze this, but it's pretty cut and dry. Very, very cut and dry. I agree. Just dive into the breakdown. Did mm-hmm. you want to transition me there? <laughs> How do you want me to transition you there? 
figure it out. Breakdown. And this movie begins at an institution in Germany where we find Herbert West discovered with blood on his hands. Yeah. And I guess he says one of the most infamous lines in the movie. He does. So essentially we start off and we are, we see, I believe it's a couple of other professors and they're with, they're with security or the police and they bust down the, this door and find Herbert West over Dr. Gruber, who is convulsing on the floor. And uh, they pull West off of him, and the doc, one of the doctors is like, he falls limp. And one of the doctors is like, oh, no. He, shoot, he gets up, and his like eyes explode. Yeah, his eyes explode, and he's bleeding through every orifice. Which, by the way, that bladder effect on his eyes is fucking awesome. Oh. They're, like, pulsing and shit before they just erupt in blood. <laughs> Buckle up, kids. That never ends. No, it's, it's they start us off strong here. Ugh. But he falls to the ground dead, and the lady is just like you killed him and Herbert's like I did not I gave him life oh god which is a very Frankenstein thing to say the, and I this feels very very loosely like like loosely blowing in the wind kind of Frankenstein-esque but it's not this is well in a lot of ways this story is very Frankenstein like it is it's they're both about the same thing mm. it's like a man obsessed with the idea of bringing the dead back to life or creating life mm. um and we're, we're just modernizing it really mm. um from this scene we jump right into our opening credits which introduces us to the infamous reanimator theme very very reminiscent of uh Psycho, as what I read. Yes, there's a there's a lot of debate sur- uh, surrounding this theme because it is the composer of this movie. I forget who did the score for this. Let me see if I can just look at it quick. Oh, Richard Band. Mm. Um, he he was cited as saying that the theme for this movie was meant to be an homage to um, Bernard Herrmann's Psycho score. Yeah. But if you listen to the two side by side, which I have, they are the exact same musical composition, note for note. And it's not like it's <laughs> hidden because when I first heard it, I just kind of looked at you and went, this sounds really familiar. And you goes, yeah, it does. And I'm just like, why does it sound so like it, it's like right there? Because they just ripped it off and called it an homage. Sadly, this like this was made back in the day where you could you could get away with that. <laughs> yeah, that I mean, I don't like the fact that you can just get away with it. Like, oh no, it's fine. Like, no, it really well, it sucks, guys. You can't now. No, no, uh, you cannot. <laughs> uh, but this this theme accom- is accompanied by this really beautiful credit sequence where <laughs> we're seeing like these colorful renditions of like images from anatomy books yes those are really cool and it's like it's really well put together it is it's always been one of the most memorable credit sequences to me like mm-hmm. and 
I've even replicated it to some degree in uh, one of my short films. Two of my short films, actually. Oh, we're going to talk about those. Why are we going to talk about those? Because you love this film so much, you made your own film out of this. I made two, yes. And What are the titles? So, so back in the days after high school, uh, I made a couple of movies in homage to Reanimator called Inanimate and Beyond Inanimate. Uh, and I assume you want me to tell them what yes, these please. are about. So the idea, it was pretty straightforward. I was based, I was ripping off Reanimator and I have no, I never claimed not to be. Uh, the idea was I wanted to make them about a scientist or a pseudoscientist, a guy who was obsessed with the idea of bringing inanimate objects to life. And his test subjects were teddy bears because what kid wouldn't want a living teddy bear? Personally, I stand by it. It was fun as hell to make. It was. It is. So I love watching it. I love it. And you only have two of them left. One is the one from Beyond Reanimator, which is burnt Beyond and Animate. Beyond Inanimate, which is burnt and beat to shit and very fragile. Yes. And you have one over here yeah, in the archive. I have one that's completely untouched. It's the original bear that we used. And yeah, it's just a remnant from, from my, days past. My early days of filmmaking. And I don't know. Like, I have been shit on for doing those movies. Who shit on you? Uh, I won't name names, but... Could, I, I know who shit on people you, right? Have, people yeah. have shit on me for making them because, like, oh, you're just ripping off Reanimator. Yes, but I'm having fun making movies. Like, That's why I made them, to have fun. Isn't there that what fair use really is? Like, yeah, it's kind of loosely what fair use is. Like, yes, it's, it's the same thing, but it's having fun with it like you're not claiming the material like this isn't mine this is this is you know reanimator this is lovecraft but it's just fun it is a great fun movie and i think my one of my favorite (laughs) favorite scenes is our friend andy um outside doing something i forget what it is and he still comes has out the, of a bulkhead with a gas can yep and he still has that fucking anti-grid and i'm like you're in a movie don't do that that, <laughs> that man can't stop smiling no matter what <laughs> never like, seen it's impossible that man, i've never seen that man upset and i've known him for when he's just sitting years. on the couch completely zoned out he has a smile on his he's face like, <laughs> it's just permanently ingrained in his skin <laughs> andy if you ever listen to this we know you're not we know we'll find you. You're in your house on your fucking couch. If you ever do listen to this, we know that you're dead inside. Stop faking. <laughs> <laughs> we blame your wife. Oh, oh shots, shots fired. fired. Beep, beep, beep. Um, but I, the first, I never saw Reanimator. I saw your short first. And, I, and you were like, this is based on Reanimator. And I'm like, what's Reanimator? And you're like, oh, bitch. what do you mean you don't know what Reanimator <laughs> is? You love Lovecraft and you don't know what this is. I'm like, no. That was really what started the ball rolling of you being like, we need to get you to watch more movies. 
couple years later. That's why this podcast was born, because <laughs> I don't know shit about movies. Um, but it really kind of opened my eyes to, oh, there's a lot of other different things. Um, he has a lot more shorts that he used to do when he was younger. So many I have more. quite a few, yeah. Quite a few. And this is not even my favorite one that he did. So... Uh, this is uh, I had I had a good time with those like I, I think I put a lot of work into those you even did. though they were very like I knew I could never do anything with them they were just fun to make I don't know like it's a nice I, glimpse I into like the them. past that's yeah. what I think the acting is shit but you know who cares about the acting how old were you like in your early twenties uh yeah so that movie's probably about fifteen years old now oh damn wow. Like, probably about 12, 15 years old. That's wild that. yeah. to think about. Because you're still a baby. <laughs> in my eyes, you're a baby. Anyway. Let's, get, let's get back to the story. In the actual reanimator, we <laughs> we come back to, from the credits, to Miskatonic University. Hmm. Where we meet young Daniel Kane attempting to save a rather large woman who has coded. Yep. Um, in this scene, we learn that he's unwilling to give up on saving people. So, yeah. like, even when all the evidence proves that he's failed, he's he's still trying to resuscitate. He got yelled at. Like, yeah, he gets yelled at for it, and that shows us right on, right from the opening moments with him. This is his weakness. Yeah. This is our main character's weakness. He can't give up on people, which becomes a big deal in the end. Yes. But he he's re- not really reprimanded. He's scolded for the fact that a, a good doctor should know when to stop. And that's the lesson that he has to learn. As somebody who's been to her share, fair share of fucking doctors in the last two or three years, it is nice to see a doctor not wanting to give up no matter what. It really is. I agree. Honestly, I don't think that's a fault of his. I think that is something to be cherished because if he were to become a uh, residency doctor, if he were to like have his own practice, you know he won't give up on his patients no matter well, what happens. That, and you have to take into account the fact that, and I'm going to use this word with a grain of salt because mm. I don't entirely believe in all the concepts behind it, but... Miracles do happen in terms of things like people just, oh, it's that one extra jolt of the the paddles or that one extra breath into the lungs, so to speak, that sometimes yeah. that's all it takes to, bring, yeah. to resuscitate somebody. And the fact that he's willing to keep trying until he physically can't anymore, I mean, that shows that he's willing to at least hold on to that just maybe he cherishes life more than other people do which i think is why he's the perfect foil to jeffrey combs yeah because he values life i don't want to say for profit or for personal gain he values being able to conquer life yes to where dan would like if something happens, I'm not giving up on you because I don't want you to give up. Jeffrey Combs' character, Herbert West, is like, you can give up, but I'm going to make sure you live. 
and it's like you both have the same ideas, but same goal. Yes. Different ways of approaching it. Yeah. Um. So following this opening moment, he is told to bring that bring the body down to the morgue, and selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, thirty six percent better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Get a one dollar per month trial period at Shopify dot com slash work. Shopify dot com slash work. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over seventy percent of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/people today. In doing this, we uh, sorry. Let me start that again. Following this, he's told to bring the body down to a morgue, where the, this becomes an important set later on mm. like throughout the movie they keep returning to this this, this set is a huge deal um here we set up the security guard who becomes mildly important later um the laser drill technology and the cold storage freezer mm-hmm. this is all of this plays a part in the rest of the story um while he's down here we are first introduced to herbert west officially mm-hmm. Uh, through Dean Halsey. And we're also introduced to Dr. Carl Hill, who's going to become the big bad of this movie by the end. Carl? Carl? <laughs> are you doing Charlie or are you doing Walking Dead? Walking Dead. I was doing Charlie. Carl? Carl? Um, during this meeting, we immediately see... West challenging Hill's intellect. So he's looking down on him and his work with an absolute disdain. Oh my god, he rips him a new one standing there. Absolutely it, up and a, down tears like him. Immediately accusing him of plagiarism. Like, not even like, hi, nice to meet you, by the way. It is, you're drab, you're dribble, you've stolen this, you're terrible, fuck you. And I'm just like, whoa! It's, yeah, it's pretty. He's a pretty intense character, and that's I think why it's fun to watch him. You enjoy him. I do. Um, next thing we see, Dan is posting uh, on a bulletin board um, an ad for a roommate. Room for rent. Um, while he's doing this, we meet his girlfriend and the dean's daughter. Fiance. His fiance. Excuse me. Megan Halsey played by Barbara Crampton <laughs> yay 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 and yay, all of Barb. her <laughs> yay Barb everybody named Barb 
barbs just don't have it uh, have it good anymore. <laughs> uh, we immediately transition to them having sex, <laughs> giving us with with the most realistic orgasm sound from a woman. Listen, to be honest. Listen, Barbara knows what she's doing. Dude, Jesus, <laughs> I'm watching this going. Oh hey. This, uh, I'm, I'm a little uncomfortable right now. Uh, and this gives us the first bit of nudity in the film as well. Like, tasteful, too. Like, they don't just go in your face tits until she stands up. Yeah, they, they kind of do, show, though. They don't, show, they don't show the nudity during the sex. It's when they get up to get dressed. Yeah. Which I'm like, all right, tasteful. <laughs> um... This is the only time it will be, kids. <laughs> There's some dialogue here of... Them fooling around. You, you get... lied. This is not the part first nudity. The chubby lady in the beginning who's dead. Her oh, tits are hanging yeah, out. yeah, that's true. Second bit of nudity then. I apologize. But, get your nudity straight, kid. Um, during this scene, they're talking a little bit. There's some playful banter. And we kind of get a sense of their relationship. Mm. Just like how... how Like, they have fun together. Yeah. Um... As she's going to leave, she runs into West. Literally. Who's there in response to the ad for the roommate. Just not... It's just not like, I'm here for the ad. She throws open the door and he's like, I'm here. I'm like, Jesus Christ, Herbert. Because he's pompous. Pompous <laughs> and stupid. Um, as they get acquainted, he shows him around the apartment a little bit and... Once Wes sees the basement, he immediately wants to take the room. Oh my god, he falls in love with the basement. He does, like, that's what sells him. Doesn't even care about the room. Um, and in this series of events, we kind of see that Megan is immediately getting bad vibes from him. Oh my god, she gets the heebie-jeebies the moment he introduces himself, which is hilarious. And she's urging Dan not to take him in. Unfortunately, Dan doesn't have any reason to deny him. Mm -hmm. So... They become roommates. Um, the next thing we see, we go over to Dr. Hill teaching a class that both Dan and West are attending. Throughout the class, West is interrupting him by breaking his pencils, which is like, a, I guess it's supposed to be like a sign of disrespect. Yeah. Like he's just S making this loud noise. Straight eye contact. How would you feel if somebody looked at you right in the eyes and just went with a pencil? I'd be like, the fuck I'd be a is little your... uncomfortable. I'd be like, dude, get a... And then the dude screams, get a pen. <laughs> Mr. West, I suggest you get yourself a pen. <laughs> Can you quote this whole movie? A lot of it. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm going to hear this for the next three days, guys. As, uh, as soon as Hill dismisses the class, Wes approaches him and begins berating him before anybody's even had a chance to leave. Like, all these other med students are visibly uncomfortable, and he's just... just and I'm just like... I'm looking at the girl with the really curly hair going... He's just laying into him. Dan's in the background just like, dude. Like, what, <laughs> what did you fuck? do? Um, but which kind of just shows you how much he like believes in his work and how passionate he is about the possibility of its success. Mm. He's, he's willing to just berate this guy who he barely knows, telling him he's a complete fucking idiot <laughs> because he believes that uh, brain death occurs after six to 12 minutes. Six to 12 minutes. And Herbert's like... 
that's not true. I've read the findings of this German guy who I accidentally killed and tried to bring back and then exploded his eyes. But I've heard these <laughs> two from the German guy, you know? Yeah. Which I think is just like he's sitting there going, that's not true. You stole his work and I stole his life. <laughs> um, the next th- next scene is a little uneventful, but it's uh, the Dean, Dr. Hill and Megan. And they're kind of sitting down to celebrate a large grant that Hill got for the college. I want to add you, Dr. Hill is the fucking creepiest human being. But there's reasons for that. Oh, yep. Um, Dan arrives during their conversation to pick up Megan for a study date. And this moment kind of does start to introduce the uncomfortable dynamic between Hill and Megan. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, the, he has this, like, some sort of a weird thing for her that I'm not sure if she realizes. I don't think she does. No, I think she just gets, like, like the heebie-jeebie vibes from him, but I don't think she knows how correct on the heebie-jeebie vibes she really is. Yeah. Uh, we go with them back to Dan's house where Megan expresses her discomfort for, for West living there. And she even comments that since he moved in, she hasn't really seen the cat. Rufus, yeah. So they go looking for him and she winds up investigating West's room where she finds Rufus dead in the mini fridge next to the bottle of the reagent. Which literally looks like glow stick liquid. That's because it is glow stick liquid. Oh, that's awesome! (laughs) It's just, yeah, they just broke open glow sticks and poured it into a bottle. I was gonna ask you how you figured that out, but then again, you made your own movie, so... I didn't use glow stick liquid. What did you use? Because I didn't want it to look exactly the same. Yeah. I I actually used for mine um, that green Hawaiian punch that you can buy. Oh, <laughs> and when you guys were done with production, did Andy drink all of it? He was drinking it during production. Oh, God. Oh, <laughs> Andrew. I, yeah, I went and bought like a couple of those big ass jugs of it. Did you go to Walmart and get the value yeah. back? <laughs> oh, Christ. But it looks really good on screen. It did. It does. I thought it was glow stick stuff, too. Nope. Yeah, I didn't want it to look exactly the same, so I just went with a different green liquid. Do you think it was glow stick liquid that they just snapped and poured in there and had? Or was it, like, UV-sensitive constantly, so where they had a UV light as close as possible to light it? Well, so glow stick liquid lasts it's- a long time. Like, if you... Once you, like you, if you break it and stuff, like it'll, you can keep kind of doing it for a while. Not the glow sticks that I grew up with. Like they're dead after like four or five hours. I don't know. Uh, I don't. I don't know exactly how they did it. What industrial grade chemicals are they fucking using, man? No fucking clue. Damn. <clears throat> um, West returns home in the middle of this and finds Megan in his room, and they kind of have an argument. Where uh, he kind of brushes off the fact that the cat is dead in his fridge. He's like, hey, I found it like that. I didn't want to tell you over. He says, oh, he got into the garbage and got his head stuck in a jar and suffocated. Did you want me to? I'm, I'm saying this. Did you want me to leave a note? Cat dead. Details later. Ah! <laughs> 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 I was like, yes, I would appreciate that note. 
Cat's dead. Details later. I'd have been like... I'm going to leave that note for you on the fridge. No. <laughs> Which one? Especially since we have a cat that looks exactly like Rufus. Uh, <laughs> she just covered her eyes. I hope you know that. No. She's sleeping like, no. <laughs> Um, I was going to say which cat because this is a saint. The devil is over there by the window. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, they they kind of things are left on an uneven ground at mm. the end of this. We, we cut ahead to that night where Dan wakes up hearing horrific screams coming from the basement. It's like, what the fuck? He goes to investigate where he finds West being attacked by something. And... This turns into like this big sequence where they're chasing this thing around the basement and like smashing everything's getting broken. And then, which by the by the way, this sequence is fucking beautifully done because once it's off West's back, you do not see you the don't thing. See it again. It's all done with sound and their performances, and it's fucking awesome. <laughs> but then the cat lunges, and Herbert throws it against the wall and the extra is the brain matter that's stuck on the wall in the background and just, just goes drips doop, off doop, 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 doop. and I every time we watch that I'm like ew because <laughs> um, it's so gross but once that happens Dan sees that this thing that they were chasing is or was was his cat Rufus yep so this scene is where West introduces Dan to his work and explains that, like, even showing him what the reagent does by reanimating re- the dead dead by cat. Reanimating his twice now dead cat. Because he says, "Now wait a minute, he has a broken back, but he's still going to try to lunge." And the cat is like broken back on. It's just convulsing on the table, like screaming. <laughs> like Jesus Christ. Unfortunately, Megan stumbles in on this process and freaks out. Oh my god, this poor girl. By the end of this movie, I feel so bad for her. Oh, as you should. It's just like, wrong place, wrong time, honey. Go, run. Just, you should have left. Like. But this sequence is also the, the moment where Dan is kind of lured into this web of Wests. Because he's seeing, like you can bring people back from the dead. Yeah. Very recently dead, but dead. But he's not yet fully convinced. So the next morning, he goes to the dean and tells him everything. Yep. The dean, of course, doesn't believe him and actually reprimands him for getting involved with West in his experiments and that West is being expelled. expelling West, kicking Dean out of the... Dan, Dan out of the program completely... And telling him he needs to pack his bags, too. No. And he can never see his daughter. He he doesn't c- kick him out of school yet. He just kind of suspends him. I thought I thought he said that he's being kicked out of the program. Because that's what he tells the nurse. Do not allow him back into this hospital. Yeah. He, uh, when he walks into the nurse later, he's, he tells him that he was suspended. Okay. So he can't... He doesn't... He threatens him with kicking him out. Oh, but he okay. doesn't actually I misunderstood. Kick him out. I thought they kicked him out completely. Okay. So, um, because he's now wrapped up in this, the next thing we see Dan sneaking west into the morgue by pretending he's a corpse <sighs> on a gurney. Yep. Uh, security guard goes to get lunch. Dan and West start to carry out this new experiment. So they pull a fresh corpse with minimal damage to the brain from Mind a cruiser. You, this corpse looks like he was an MMA fighter. There's Why a re- would you pick the <laughs> biggest dude? 
that's explained, but he was the one with the least brain da- possibility of brain damage. Uh, MMA fighter? <laughs> no, I mean in terms of... In terms of accidents. There was a burn victim. Yeah. There was a heart attack victim who had been there for a while. There was a lady that went through something else that he's like, nope, we can't use her at all. This guy had heart failure. Heart failure, okay. So they pull him from the freezer and they start the new experiment. Uh, mind you, you made a comment during this next series of events that... I did? Yeah, that uh, is pretty relevant. What did I say? Well, they inject the new corpse. Um, at this same time, the Dean arrives with Megan and they're trying to track down Dan. So he has the nurse watch over her while he goes down to the morgue. Hmm. And while he's on his way down there, the like the corpse doesn't wake up from being injected, so West gives it another dose of the reagent and it awakens in violent agony. Mm. The dean gets down there to the morgue to hear the commotion in the freezer. The corpse breaks down the door and crushes the dean with it. And then it literally picks him up and it starts slamming him against the wall. And it's you made the comment at this moment because the corpse is making all these sounds like mm. these oh, oh, yeah. sounds. I said he sounds like Arnie. That, that's because the guy who plays the corpse is Arnold's stunt double. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> no. That's was, why you laughed. It was the perfect comment you could have made at that oh moment. Oh my god. Why does Arnie's stunt double go, oh, 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 why? I, I don't know. That's so funny. <laughs> um, in this commotion, D- the Dean is killed. Which, Which I was going to ask, how was he killed? He was only beaten a little, and then I forgot the door came in on him. So and the guy jumped on the door. Yeah, he probably got crushed. But Wes stops all this by ramming a electric bone saw through the, thing, the guy's chest. Oh. And obviously, it once again dies. Um... And literally, the corpse is, hasn't hit the floor more than five seconds before West is immediately trying to reanimate the Dean. <laughs> and he's begging Dan to help him. Yep. And Dan does so in the belief that he can at least save Megan's dad. Yep. So, this is all going on. Megan finds an opening, gets away from the other doctor, and makes her way down to the morgue. They inject the Dean. The... Reaction is very rapid, yes, almost instant. Um, and I believe this to be due to the freshness of the body. But he doesn't retain his intelligence. Do you believe that's due to him being crushed? As the movie goes on, I'm not sure I believe that he doesn't maintain his intelligence. Really, you think? I think some manner of primal intelligence is still there. Mm Mm-hmm. Just based on some of the things that happen later. But he's as dead as the other guy is later. They're just as fresh as each other. Yes. And there's other reasons that I'm going to bring up for that. Okay. But uh, the reaction isn't very different. So he wakes up and basically immediately tries to kill both of them. (laughs) And he's, he's picking them both up, strangling them. Megan walks in to find this happening and freaks out. Understandably, and um, hides in a corner. Yes, and this is that's one of the the points I'm making here. 
Is his daughter is still a trigger point I for him? I think her, she's able to get reactions out of him still, like human instinctual reactions. Mm. So she tells him to stop, and he immediately drops them both and goes and cowers in a corner. And the guard shows back up, and Wes is trying to explain it away that the dean came in and he freaked out and he was berating them and he grabbed a bone saw and mutilated the body and it makes no fucking sense whatsoever herbert stop talking just stop but uh we kind of jump ahead from here that and see that dr hill now has the dean in a padded room and He's promising Megan that he's going to find out what happened to him, but he needs her consent to perform, uh, I forget what kind of a surgery it was, exploratory surgery. On the frontal lobe to see if there's any brain activity. Yeah, to determine the cause of what happened. And this is the first real scene where we get that weird, rapey fascination that uh, Hill has with Megan. Mm -hmm. It feels super uncomfortable, their whole conversation. And he's like a little too touchy-feely. Yeah, and he goes into detail. He's like, well, what I'm gonna do? And she's like, please stop. And he looks hurt by her saying that. Like, what do you mean you don't want me to explain this? (laughs) No, 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 it's fine. She then returns home to find Dan waiting for her. And... Dan's trying to explain what happened and he's trying to tell her like your father's not crazy he's dead yeah like basically like West's serum works like he's not alive anymore and she's uh, she's all she's distraught she like doesn't want to hear it um we cut away from them to West he's in his basement and he's being confronted by Dr. Hill. Mm -hmm. And Dr. Hill is basically there to threaten him and blackmail him for his reagent. Like, which brings it all around to Herbert had a point to saying you stole that other doctor's material because he really did. Yeah, he's a plagiarist. He plagiarized it. And I even looked at you going, did he just say my experiment? No, you had nothing to do with this. Stop. What is wrong with you? No, he's profiting off the work of others. Yeah. And West shows him what the serum can do. And this kind of distracts him just long enough for West to pick up a shovel and murder him in spectacular fashion. (laughs) It was beautiful. He he hits him over the head, knocks him to the floor, and then decapitates him with the spade. Oh my god. It was was like... Actually, I don't think it was a spade. I think it was a flat shovel. It was a full-on flat shovel, but it was just one of those moments where, like, what are you doing that shovel? The beauty of this moment, for me, is as he's got him pinned to the ground with the shovel in his neck, like, right before he does the severing of Mm -hmm. his head, he, uh... He looks him in the eyes and he says, plagiarist. And I almost wonder if that was like Stuart Gordon making a commentary on like, this is what fucking people who plagiarize other artists deserve. (laughs) Cause in a way I can agree that it's fucking shitty to steal somebody else's work. Aren't you making a movie about a man who wrote a story years ago? Huh? Is Okay. So I might be making a stretch, but wouldn't adapting a movie, adapting something into a movie from a story years ago, 
Isn't that a form of plagiarism? Not really. No. So plagiarism is when you steal somebody else's work without their knowledge or consent. So is it because it says HP Lovecraft's reanimator at the beginning? Does that get away? Does that stray away from the plagiarism route? I mean, technically you're, yeah, because you're adapting their work into a different medium. I just, I always had a rough time with that because obviously you could have a movie like Halloween and then you could have fans make other Halloween movies and other people make the same Halloween movie, but different. And I've always had a hard time being like, isn't there only allowed to be one? Like, isn't there only allowed to be just one story? Like, how can all of these exist? Oh, did I make you think? Mm. Oh, shit. That's not what this podcast is about. What, thinking? (laughs) (laughs) We're not thinking. We don't think here. (laughs) They're not thinking. We just verbal diarrhea into microphones. (laughs) And play with our cat. But no, uh, long story short, it's not technically plagiarism. Okay. Um... You okay there, bud? Yeah, I defined where I was. Um, so then Wes then decides to decides that it's a good idea to inject. This is the serum where I into, think he's a fucking dumbass. <laughs> so he injects the serum into both his uh Hill's head and his body separately. If he just did it in the fucking head, it would have made sense. It would have, but he did both. It also doesn't the the hit. This is like the big plot hole for me, technically. Mm. At least up until this point, we are told that you have to inject the serum into the brainstem. Yep. Which is where he's injecting it into all these bodies. If he severed the head, the brainstem wouldn't be in the body. But I guess technically, uh, this is Herbert's first experiment with, as he says in this moment whole parts he never injected the serum just into parts of bodies to see if it worked so the head makes sense would make sense to me the brainstem would still be there but now he's trying it on just a body part which is the rest of the body and that actually becomes very important in the second movie okay so this movie this moment kind of is where the entire second movie branches off of there's so much more in that that it gets crazy. But with, you know, the last couple of days where you're injecting shit into other animals and humans and they go fucking ape shit, wouldn't you think injecting into a body without a head might be a bad fucking idea? I mean... does is This man's supposed to be a scientist, a doctor. How is he that stupid? I don't know if this is a rhetorical question or a question I want answered. I mean, we all we all do things sometimes that don't make the best sense, and uh, I don't think you're you're reanimating heads and corpses and bodies separately, that, right? That, I mean, that you know of. What are you doing? What have you done? Where's the secret office that I'm not I allowed to go to? Life. <laughs> are my cats really dead? <laughs> That, that expl- <laughs> this one might be. That explains Autumn. <laughs> <laughs> That's why she won't let us sleep at night. Fucking 4.30 in the morning. <laughs> anyway. Um, so the re- this moment results in technically Herbert's first success with returning brain function. Mm. As Hill 
is able to speak, think, and as we see in a moment, even still control his severed body. Yeah, I don't. Which, so we see Hill's body get up behind him, grab West, and slam him against the table, and it renders him, unco- renders him unconscious. I, I, how? So, I'm going to wait a little bit on my theory on that one. Okay. But, uh, we then go over to Megan and Dan. They're exploring Hill's office. Mm-hmm. And she's kind of checking in on her dad, but Dan finds this sick little file that he has on Megan and it contains like articles and napkins that she's used and even a lock of her hair yeah and so that's our confirmation that he has some kind of fucking sick obsession with her Uh, when Megan goes in to see her father she finds that Hill has lobotomized him with the that laser technology that mm-hmm. he apparently invented. Yeah. Um, we come back to West and he wakes up to find that his reagent has been stolen. Hill is nowhere to be found. All of his research notes are All completely gone. All of his gone. research is gone. Uh, Dan comes back while he's freaking out and he kind of explains to Dan what happened and that he killed him and brought him back and Dan's like this has to stop like what are you doing <laughs> uh, we then we then come come back to Hill's office to see him returning and I want you to picture this because this is where the movie really gets fucking wacky as all hell because you have this severed this this body with no head walking around carrying the head in a tray and the head is talking to it to himself mm-hmm. it's it's so weird but like nobody has seen this <laughs> like this body walking around without a head on campus just like good morning Jane good morning Alan like what the fuck he doesn't have a secretary that he passed <laughs> like what is happening um but when he comes back here it's kind of like this little moment where he's like collecting himself like he refills the tray with blood with fresh blood yeah which i guess somehow makes, makes him, him feel better and makes him talk better i guess i um but then he goes and talks to the dean through the two-way glass and he's telling him that basically he needs him to come out now and uh I think it's explained to us in passing, like when Dan and West are talking to each other in the basement, that he lobotomized the Dean so he'd be able to control him. Which, what? Which comes into play during the big climax. It does, but did he develop telekinetic powers? So, th- all right, so that's a theory that actually I think stems from Stuart Gordon himself. From the reagent? No, um, so. Stuart Gordon talks about in an interview that there's like this weird thing in the story where Hill has almost this like telepathic ability where like you see it a little bit in the scene where he's talking to Megan about what he has to do to her dad. Mm. And it's like he's almost trying to like hypnotize her like he stares directly into her eyes and he's like 
this is what I have to do. Like he's he's like trying to lure her. So it, you almost get this sense, especially through this scene, because the way they shoot it, the the dean is looking into the gla- the glass, and it like the glass suddenly becomes transparent, and you can see Hill on the other side. Yeah, and I it, saw that. It's like he's hypnotizing him with his eyes. So they kind of they almost gave him like this weird hypnotic supernatural ability mm. which they don't talk about it at all it's just kind of there it's just it just happens and you're just kind of like which i don't what? know i think it's kind of cool it's interesting it's different i i have to say this is the first time where i'm going to be like i call bullshit i mean you're allowed like how can you sit there and be like this man had some sort of like psycho ability okay fine whatever and i said psycho not psychic um Um, he's a fucking creep who believes that he can manipulate people yeah so now you've severed you've had your head severed from your body and you were injected with mysterious glowing goo that has brought you back to life and now because you've lobotomized or taken away the frontal lobe of people's brains you can control them yeah, I don't entirely understand. I, like, I don't think there's any logic to that. I think they just thought it was a cool idea. That's where the Lovecrafty element really comes in, in my opinion. For sure. That you can't explain this shit moment where you're like, all right, it's cosmic horror. I can't explain this. Yeah. Um, so Hill then goes to the morgue. Mm-hmm. Um, and this scene is hilarious because he puts like the fake anatomy head on his shoulders and... <laughs> Is walking, like, sneaking through the hall. <laughs> like, with his head in a bag that is bleeding. With his head in a bag. It's bleeding everywhere. And the security guard nearly catches him. Because his ear falls off. Yeah. <laughs> but. Bill, is that you? Of course it's me. He, he gets into. What? He gets into the morgue. He starts working on some of the other corpses. Um, Dan goes to see Megan. See if she's okay. Uh, she they have this kind of moment where she tells him he should just go away he should leave and go to another school and just forget about everything but there's there's also this cool part of this conversation where she's like I want to hate you so bad I, I want to hate you for what you've done but I can't mm. so it's like you see that she's still she is in love with him yeah. Like it, it's not just like a you know romantic fling or anything like that and in the middle of this conversation our reanimated Halsey comes breaking through the door and he knocks Dan out and and steals his own girlfriend (laughs) I mean steals his own daughter kidnaps Megan Um, and Halsey brings her back to the morgue where he rips off her clothes Halsey in front of her dad Halsey Halsey rips off her clothes her dad rips off her clothes (laughs) and then stands by while Adlis Starts to tongue fuck her. No, no not quite yet. <laughs> so, I first, stand by what I say. At first, he's uh. Go ahead. Graphic detail. <laughs> at first, he, at first, he speaks his monologue as the villain. He speaks a whole monologue, like so. <sighs> Halsey tears off her clothes, and like Hill's body, mind you, it, they're still separated. Hill's body starts to grope her. 
fondle her like her boot, like he's a 12 year old boy with the first pair of boobs, like, and <laughs> knock her. It's like, it's awkward. And, uh, she wakes up during this. They had strapped her down. She wakes up during this. She gets out of one of the straps, knocks the dummy head off of the body. She's understandably flipping the fuck out. Freaking out. And this is kind of where Hill is like at his worst. So he's he's like kissing her all over. No, no, I want detail. I'm not done. I want you need to describe this because this is almost as bad as the movie that you were on. Well, he he's kissing her like on her face, on her neck, and then like on her with breast. blood dripping out of his mouth like L- he's yeah, a vampire. There's blood running all like leaving blood all over, and then we get what uh, I forget who first said it, but Stuart Gordon describes as the first ever visual pun: the head gives head. <laughs> so, Barbara Crampton doesn't have a penis, so that doesn't make sense. It's still head. It's just I don't a, think that's head. That's it's just a different, gone down. No, it's, it's, it can still be called that. <sighs> Regardless, Hill is kissing down her body, so you, I, you can get where I'm going here. <laughs> he gets to between her legs, and he goes to, you know, follow through. And, um... He's interrupted by West. Thank God. It's the only time West did something right. West comes into the room and he starts kind of berating Hill. Giving his villain monologue. Distracting him long enough for Dan to sneak in and get Megan out of the restraints. Yes. Unfortunately, Hill has a backup plan. Hang on. I lost my place. Give me one sec. Mm -hmm. Uh... So suddenly all the corpses in the room just jump to life and they're all at will uh hip and they're all at Hill's control. Beck and call, yeah. He lobotomized all of them so he can now control all of them. Oof. And they all start attacking West and Dan and Megan. And they try to hold down wet. They drag him over to the table. They hold him down and they're trying to lobotomize him with a laser drill. Uh, all right. And this scene gets very chaotic. I took notes the best I possibly could. Yeah. But um, we then see that they're they're all trying to kill Megan. They're all like surrounding her. They're holding her. And her father comes up and you think he's going to attack her as well. But she's begging for her life, and something in him clicks over, and suddenly he starts fighting back against all the other ones. I need you guys to be reminded these are cadavers, so they are not clothed. They're all bare ass. Bare ass (laughs) naked. All shapes, all sizes. We're talking dicks swinging in the wind. Just... And I imagine it is a very cold, so there's not much length to the penors, <laughs> but they are there. These poor people, you can tell they're probably freezing. They are covered in cold stage blood. They're in what appears to be a morgue, so it's got to be fucking stone cold in there. Yep. Oh my God. And I feel bad because how many takes do you think these scenes took? Oh, probably a lot. Like these, probably, these people are probably naked for like two days doing this whole scene. Um, so since 
Halsey is now like somewhat coherent. Aware. He's, he, he's fighting back against all these other corpses. He gets over, he, he throws Dr. Hill's body out into the hallway where the security guard sees it walking around headless. And he's like, what the fuck? Smartest man ever. <laughs> he, uh, then we see that Halsey gets a hold of Hill's head. And I, I shit you not, he crushes this thing like it's a wad of hamburger meat, which it is. The way they did that effect was they actually built a head out of raw meat, loaded it with blood so that when he crunched it, it just like a sponge. We are supposed to be having like a Korean kind of dinner this evening. Yeah. I will be eating vegetables. Thank you very much. After this description. It's yummy. (laughs) Anyway, he throws the head against the wall and it literally just sticks. And it's disgusting. Gross. Um, Like the cat, the brains just go. In the midst of all of this, West pulls out two needles filled with reagent and he injects Hill's body with all of it. Saying that he had a theory Overdose Of overdosing He just goes Overdose I'm like okay So The body starts Freaking the fuck out And It's chest Blows open And it's intestine Comes flying out And starts strangling Wes Strangling And what appears to be Dragging him towards the body And I'm like Oh It's like trying to consume him Like it's so insane it's nasty um, with Hill now dead, all the other corpses are going haywire, and they're all trying to kill Megan and Dan. Mm-hmm. Megan and Dan are able to escape because the Dean kind of starts fighting them all, and then he gets ripped apart. They go, they make it to the elevator, but Megan gets attacked and strangled by one of the corpses. Dan is able to get an axe, and he chops the corpse's arm off. Gets her free, but she's now unresponsive. So he they takes her up the elevator, rushes her to the ER, where she unfortunately dies on the table, just like his first lady did. That lady attacked them, by the way. Huh? That lady was attacking them. His first, I tried to save her. He was attacking them. Or she was attacking them. What? Yeah. Oh, in the morgue. Yeah, in the morgue. Yeah, 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 you're right. Comes full I was circle. like, what are you talking about? <laughs> so, everybody kind of clears the room. They leave him to, to grieve. And suddenly he gets the idea. He can save because her. Because Wes kept screaming, my research, my, my research. research. So, so they he took his research. He can save her. So he takes out the reagent. He can't bear to let her go. So he... The last thing we see is he lifts her head and injects her neck. We fade to black and we hear her screams of reanimated agony. Slam to that amazing reanimator theme. Mm-hmm. You mean the psycho theme? Yeah, tomato tomato. I mean the psycho reanimator theme. <laughs> <sighs> and that is... Lovecraft's reanimator. Herbert West's reanimator. That sigh tells me you don't like the movie. I'll just get into the questions then. 
Why, you just want to get this over with that fast? No, this, you just get, just, just, do you have any, do you have any thoughts on the movie? Like, like, closing thoughts before we get into it. No, we can get into it. All right, let's get into it. Final overall thoughts about the film. I like this. But there are too many, excuse me. I have a question. Like, there are too many moments like that for that. This is like the last movie. I like it. You put it on on a rainy day. You're doing some stuff. But unfortunately, it doesn't keep my attention. He's making a big pouty face, guys. I like this. He loves this movie. (laughs) Look at my favorite movies. Total opposite from yours. Um, But I still like this movie. Um, it just, I don't think it keeps my attention because there are better stories out there. Okay. I I don't disagree with you on that. This feels like something that you saw when you were younger. So it's a feel good movie for you. Like this is one of your feel goods. Well, yeah. All right. So for me, this is, it definitely, um, this movie falls into that same category as things like Fright Night and Monster Squad and It's nostalgia for you. Well, it's not even just that. It it's, it has that same feel that like f- kind of funny, overly crazy, like very gory like type of movie. Mm. And it, it's like a monster movie to to some degree. So, I don't know, like I think it I like those style of movies a lot, and we get very few of them. Mm. So when they do come along, it's always just awesome. They're like such a fun time to watch. You can do other things while you're watching them. You don't have to like super pay attention. Mm. Uh, This is, it's definitely one that I love. I've always loved. It's it's a childhood favorite. Mm. I bet you'll never guess who showed me this one. Your grandmother. She did. Mm-hmm. This got your grandma written all over it. This oh, has yeah. your meme all over it. This is my meme. Yep. She uh, she introduced this to me. She had the VHS. She showed me this and Beyond, uh, Bride of Reanimator. Is the Bride of Reanimator the original one you used to have from her or no? No. Uh, that one, that's uh, another copy. But, yeah, she showed me both of those. You know what my grandmother showed me? Rogers and Hammerstein Cinderella. That's unfortunate. What? What do you mean that's unfortunate? <laughs> that's what you show your grandkids. I still like your mommy anyways. You better. She's a fucking saint. <laughs> She's a goddamn fucking saint. <laughs> do you have any favorites? Every, every single time, um, I hear the line, um get dead details later like that's it that's the one it makes me laugh um the whole ending sequence is pretty cool there's a lot going on it is chaos and i saw stuff this time that i didn't see the first time but yeah i like the ending a lot so darn what about you um so this movie is popular with a lot of memorable lines Mm -hmm. so like is like I gave him life, uh, Mr. West. I suggest you, suggest you get yourself a pen, and then like his rant towards Hill, which is uh, how can you teach such a dribble? These people came here to learn, and you're closing their minds before they've even had a chance. Mm-hmm. 
birth is always painful. Like the all these little quips, all these little these things that are said. Things. Yeah. But my favorite line is is the same as yours. Get dead details Just, later. What would, you, what would you want me to do? Leave a note? What would it have said? Cat dead details later? Just, like, it is the stupidest so thing. Dumb. As a pet owner, if you came home to that, you'd be like... Why? What? <laughs> uh, my favorite scene, I think, is the the scene with Rufus in the basement. That oh, where they're freak fighting out, that like, fucking cat. Yeah. That whole, like, from, from the moment Dan gets down there to... Uh, them re- Megan anim- gets re- down re-animating there. the cat, yeah. Like that, that whole sequence is really cra- like it's such a cool scene, and it's that introduction to the reagent, mm. which I I just really like it. Does it work? Yes. I don't want to say no or maybe on this one because I do enjoy it. Um. Yes, it works because I think if they told the original story, it wouldn't be as impactful or even topically funny for that point in time. Um, so I believe this does work. Yes. Yes. I very obviously think this works. I've watched this so many goddamn times. This movie has awesome characters. It has such a fun theme. Like, it's incredibly gory, but doesn't skimp on being funny as well. Mm-hmm. It's... The music is great. It's super memorable. It also looks really good. Like, we we watched the version I have, which is... Uh, it's just the image entertainment release of the Blu-ray. It's... it's- Right, and you can tell all of the practical effects for it. Yeah. But it's not like, oh, there's a wire here or a tube there. Or, oh, I saw how that was done. It's like you were meant to know that these are corny practical effects back then. So for, you know, 36, 37 years, how oh, fuck old am I? 37 years later, it it's it, it works. It's, it's great. Like, it has even more heart to the practical effects now than it did back then. That's how I feel about that part. Agreed. I think, uh, I absolutely think this movie works. Like, it might not be for everybody, but Mm. it works as a, it definitely works for horror fans. I mean, for fuck's sake, this Blu-ray right on the cover says, uh, has a quote from Entertainment Weekly that says, one of the greatest horror movies ever made. Which well, it's Entertainment Weekly. I mean, it's not really that credible of a news source. It's not a real news it's source. It's not a real news source. Uh, would you recommend it? Yeah. Oh God, yes, I would. This is a fun movie. This is a romp. This is a horror movie without being terrifying. Um, if you love, if you like Lovecraft, this is a pretty cool adaptation of a Lovecraft story. Um, I wouldn't recommend it if you get squeamish with blood and or nudity. <laughs> There's a lot of both. What about you? I would absolutely recommend this. Like, even if this is not your cup of tea, I think it's something that you should see just to say you have seen it. Yeah. Like, it is such a fun ride. And, like, even if you're not into this type of stuff, I feel like just being able to see it and, like, maybe have some... You can take away the, the funny moments or the 
the, the moments that make you go, oh, God, what the fuck? Yeah, you're like, oh, Jesus Christ. I don't know. I think it's worth a watch. Yeah. I, I definitely recommend it. And I asked this next one with the fact that there are, including this, three sequels, three three films in the, the series, a musical, a comic series, countless other adaptations of the Herbert West character and story. Mm. How would you make this today? I'm inclined to say I wouldn't make this movie today. I would touch upon making the actual story in a limited series. I absolutely agree. I want to see the original story in a series format to where each of those stories has its own show. I think if you're going to do Reanimator again... Herbert West Reanimator. Just do Herbert West Reanimator. Which... I actually think might exist as a film or a series. I don't know what it was, but there was a something a while back. I don't remember where I saw it, but there is something called Herbert West Reanimator, and it's a it's like a movie or a I think it's very low budget, and I think it it might even be foreign. But uh <laughs> I've never seen it. I always wanted to check it out because I just want to know what it is because I love this story so much. 2007. Herbert West Reanimator. Director Ivan Zucone. Yeah, I would I would very much like to check that out to see if it's closer to the original text. Let's see. It is on Amazon Prime to rent or buy and Apple TV to rent or buy. Uh, it is Italian. Ooh, okay. It After the loss of his daughter, a famous scientist experiments with a special serum invented by him as it desperately tries to bring her back to life. So that might be closer to the book or the story. Mm, not no? as much. Uh, it's got Herbert West, Herbert West Jr., Eleanor West, young Eleanor, Elizabeth, and Mary. Those uh, are the so only cast not. members. So it's a loosely based... Uh, so, all right. Then but I, the picture is pretty... Yeah. The poster is pretty cool. Then I would say that if you're going to remake this, try taking a stab at the original story. Yeah. See if you can adapt that, like, verbatim and see how that comes out. Mm. Um, I don't think this version of Reanimator should ever be remade. No. I think this is fucking perfect as it is, and you're never going to top it. But our final question, is this mainstream exploitation or other? I'm inclined to settle this between mainstream and other, or maybe other and exploitation. Only because there's... there's, a pretty wide margin. (laughs) All right. (laughs) The whole thing. (laughs) So I would put, like, mainstream in because they did try to get some big names into this and try to make like oh Barbara Crampton this old dude this old dude sorry I forgot pretty much the rest of the cast David Gale David Gale you know but they tried to get big names on the book where okay let's try and make this but then there's a lot they don't they don't skimp on the the graphic blood or the nature of the film or the nudity and nobody was asking for this so I'm actually going to stick this in other. That's where I'm going to put it. I'm going to put it into other. They tried to mainstream this, but this is very much other. What about you? I'd actually call this exploitation. You know, just when I think I can fucking read this man's mind, I can't. I'm trying <laughs> so hard. 
Uh, I suck at this game, guys. Most people probably wouldn't call this exploitation, but no. I think I would because it it checks off most of the boxes. Like mm-hmm. it, it's it milks this thing for pretty much everything it's worth. It turns it into a like zany fucking crazy ass fucking thing with like as much nudity as they could throw in, as much gore as they could throw in, and it doesn't hold back. Like. It, I would probably call it an exploitation. It's a more modern exploitation, mm. but exploitation. It's an exploitation okay. nonetheless. All right, all right. You have anything else you'd like to say about Reanimator? I think on the anniversary of watching Reanimator, we should bring back Bride of Reanimator. So catch you guys here this time next year when we watch the second half of this. Dun, dun, dun. Unfortunately, we can't watch the third. There, we don't have a copy, or there is no copy. It came out in 2003. Oh, shit! <laughs> I think it was 2003. So no, we have to didn't. stop at Bride of Reanimator. Hang on. what? Which one was that one called? Beyond. <gasps> it is 2003! Maybe we'll have to do some kind of special, special thing for that, but maybe for our, uh, our supporters, we'll throw up a special episode. I'm heartbroken. Why did they wait so long to do 13 years? Yeah, it was a while. Damn. It gets crazy. (laughs) It looks pretty good in 2003. It does. It's free on Tubi. (laughs) (laughs) So we can watch it, but we'll just never tell anybody else about it. Keep our feelings to ourselves. All right. I think that brings our discussion on Reanimator to an end. But don't go anywhere just yet. Stay tuned for the coming attractions. Here we go! I don't want to have to kill you. Don't you threaten me, Drum Eatington. Drum would never, ever point a gun at a lady. Your husband is a boil on the butt of humanity. TriStar Pictures presents... Well, this is it. You're finally rid of me. Sally Field. I think you'll be back every now and then. Dolly Parton. How's your family? Louie brought his girlfriend home, and the nicest thing I can say about her is all of her tattoos are spelled correctly. I miss Oh, leave me alone. Shirley MacLaine. I'm not crazy, Malin. I've just been in a very bad mood for 40 years. Daryl Hannah. Miss Trudy, I swear to you that my personal tragedy will not interfere with my ability to do good hair. Olympia Dukakis. Looks like two pigs fighting under a blanket. <laughs> Julia Roberts. I'm gonna make you very happy. I want a child of my own. Your poor body has been through so much. Why would you deliberately do this to yourself? Diabetics have healthy babies all the you time. You are special, Shelby. Time <laughs> has made them close. <laughs> Life. She's gonna have a baby. Go get a doctor. Has made them friends. <laughs> Steel Magnolias, the funniest movie that will ever make you cry. I'd like to go on record and say that I'm not at all excited about next week. Why aren't you excited about this wonderful, heartfelt tale about women in the South and how life goes on? It sounds like shit. I have never seen this movie. 
Neither have I. But back when the pandemic was full swing and I got into TikTok, I saw tons of clips of this movie. And the one thing that always got me is one of the girls in it or the girl in it is diabetic. Oh, really? And I'm like, well, she's type one diabetic. So it's different from, you know, being type two or as I call it, diabetic light. <laughs> um, no hate to anybody who has type one diabetes. More heart to you. It is tough. I mean, having type two diabetes is, is tough, but I would never, I could never, ever imagine having the type one. Um, but I've seen clips and it just, it's a feel good kind of like heartfelt movie for a little bit. And then it gets sad. <laughs> so we're shifting gears from this absolutely blood soaked HP Lovecraft adaptation to what? <laughs> it's this movie stars. Here you go. All star cast. Sally Fields, Sally Field, Dolly Parton, Shirley MacLaine. Daryl Hannah, Olympia Ducasis, and Julia Roberts. Oof. Yep. Boy. It is set in... Where is this? Uh, this is based on a true story. I'm sure it is. And we will definitely get more into that once we watch it. But yeah, this is supposed to be one of those fits into the late 80s, early 90s, feel-good ladies movies. It sounds like a sack of shit. I can't wait for us to watch this because it's nice for you to watch a movie that you're going to hate for once. There's been a couple of those so far. I mean, you thought you were going to hate Hate Event Horizon and you didn't. You actually saw some stuff and kind of enjoyed the sort of enjoyed the the run through we had I grew of it. Up with Event Horizon. What the hell are you talking about? You thought you were going to hate it. No. Um there have been a number of movies I've hated. I've never seen this. I might hate it. I don't like a lot of girly movies. I don't. One being, uh, growing up, I loved Titanic, but I would never put the second tape in. Well, eventually you're going to for this podcast. Nah, that's too mainstream. It's not even part of the Grindhouse world. We can't watch it. Besides, James Cameron is a piece of shit. Whoa. 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 I smell divorce. We're not even married. <laughs> I Fine. I get the black cat in the divorce. No, fuck you. No, I get the black one. No, no, Look at I her bought face. you the other one. <laughs> she's... She's just like, what? Oh, they're grooming each other, and soon they'll be murdering each other. But yeah, I'm excited to watch what was a huge, huge blockbuster movie back in late 80s, early 90s. Because this is the type of stuff that now that we're getting into almost our second year of the podcast, planning it out, we're going to be doing less and less of these. So I kind of want to touch upon some bigger names. We are still going to do bigger movies, but... Not as frequently Fewer and as further between. Yeah. <laughs> not as frequently as this. Because let me tell you, this is almost rounding out our November at this moment. I think we're moving into December. Yeah. And that means it's Christmas soon. Fuck. <laughs> On that note, my dear. Close it out. We're closing it out. All right. If you want to keep up on everything that we're doing, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Grindhouse Podcast. We're on Twitter at Grindhouse Cast. Find us on Discord where you can chat with Leah about this film or any of the films that we previously covered, or you can suggest us some new movies. All the links for everything are going to be down in the show notes. 
Listen to us first thing every Monday morning and give us a rating on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your morning fix. If you like what we're doing and you want to show this show some support, you can subscribe to the show on Patreon or directly through Acast, where you can get yourself access to ad-free listening or unlock some fun exclusive bonus content that we've been uploading for just for our supporters, really. We're hoping to get a lot more of that out very soon, so... Stay tuned. Mm -hmm. Subscribe. Stick with us. Please. It's going to be a good time. Please stay here. We need you. We're dying without you. Help us. (laughs) Jesus. Until next week, I'm Sean. And I'm Leah. Thanks for listening and keep watching. I don't remember what the theme song was. Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.